welcome back to the Food for Thought podcast. I'm your host, Erin Hallstrom. Joining me again today is Maggie Slowick, Global Industry Director for Manufacturing at IFS. Today, we're talking all about the power of data. In today's manufacturing world, there are as many uses of data as there are products. So how do companies determine what to focus on to build out their strategy? That's what we're talking about and more in this special bonus episode. According to Maggie, data is the new currency. We dive into what that means and how, as an organization, the ownership of data can give you more power than you ever imagined. We also address concerns that some in food and beverage have about data, including how exactly they're going to embark on their digital transformation, as well as how they're going to find and fill the talent pipeline when it comes to data analysis. And we cap things off talking about the metaverse and its possible implications on the food and beverage industry as a whole. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Food for Thought podcast. Let's jump in with a really broad question. What's the deal with data? Hey, Erin, and thank you so much for having me back on your podcast. And, you know, today's topic, um, data, wow, that, that's really um, – that's a really sort of big, big topic for, for any manufacturer, I would say, and you're already starting out with a, with a broad question. But I think it's, um, it's worth sort of starting on this high level um, because data, in a way, reminds me a bit about um, of, of digital transformation or sustainability even. And by that, what I mean is that the companies they generally acknowledge that data is important, but the extent to which they are willing to do anything about it, that really varies. And, uh, and, and I think in, in more recent times, what we have learned um, is actually we have learned it the hard way and, and essentially learned it in a hard way how, how important data is to, to our organizations. And, you know, given all the disruption as of late, uh, COVID and, and supply chain uh, bottlenecks that we're seeing, inflation and, you know, and, and a war and, and all these other things that are disrupting companies, many organizations must now take very, very difficult decisions on how to thrive and even survive. And for that, it's so important to have accurate and up-to-date data and even more importantly, methods of organizing and utilizing this data to make even more informed decisions. And I think, I think there is you know, something to be said about using data in, in, in a way that it sort of translates or monetizes in, into business value because there is, there's a lot of evidence out there that um, speaks to the point of um, how data-backed decisions um, are actually um, creating a measurable positive impact on organizations. And um, I've seen research around uh, companies um, that, that are excelling at integrating data into their strategy. 
and into their operations and in culture. And, and these companies, they're, they're largely outpacing their peers in, in revenue growth and profitability. And then I've seen similar data around investments in, in digital transformation. And, and, you know, the digital transformation goes very much hand in hand with the data piece. So there's a very strong link to, to business impact there if you do data right. And, and this suggests just very generally that companies that have invested in and continue to invest in, in maturing the management of their existing data and, and usage of data analytics, they will continue to thrive even more in times of economic uncertainty. And we also know that uh, uh, disruption is, is happening at an accelerated pace, right? And, and the beauty with data is that it can be used by different people for, for very different reasons, and you could even argue that data is also becoming more useful the more it is being used because it will have a different meaning and purpose for different people as it is being repurposed and reused. So I guess the bottom line here to, to, to answer your very broad question, Erin, is that we are today in a, in a data economy or a data culture, if you want to call it, where those companies that make data-led decisions, they will de deliver business value, and especially so in, in the food and beverage industry, which is, um, and we'll come to that in a second, which is really surrounded by, by a plethora of data. We started out kind of macro with the, the big broad question and are going to get progressively micro as we go on with, um, with our conversation today. So I'm curious. What are the challenges companies are facing right now when it comes to data? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. And we've, we've been talking about it. We as, a, as an industry have been talking about this. Um, and, and, you know, it's, it's not necessarily tied to manufacturing, certainly not only tied to food and beverage um, either. I think all industries are sort of facing that issue. But it comes to, to really a host of um, different issues. And, and, you know, again, this is a widespread uh, reality. So, so one of these issues is around information is, you know, incomplete. And um, food and beverage companies, they, they tend to operate quite large supply chains, right, with, with, their, with their partner ecosystems, with, with, with their suppliers, and, 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 and also their customers. And this large supply chain um, that, that they operate, these large supply chains, rather, that they're operating, <clears throat> they they make data very complex and difficult to interpret due to the different phases of each process, but also, for example, the, the cultural aspects um, that will play a role here. And, and the risk with, um, with incomplete information is that, um, that it makes it very difficult to, to make informed decisions, to make imprecise decisions. In other words, decisions are made without a vision of the complete scenario of the, of the supply chain and, uh, and often largely following a person's intuition, so sort of like one person facing this incomplete um, data set and, and having to make the ultimate decision and, and boom, we're reversing to, you know, to, to human error because it's um, sort of not made on, on a data-led approach, but um, based on sort of a, a manual one. And, and that could be detrimental if you think about um, a company's uh, quality um, issues, for example. Uh, another 
issue that companies are facing is data is often siloed and it comes from multiple sources. Um, we have just recently done a, a survey at ISS and um, it shows that um, uh, companies um, actually do struggle with um, sort of different data being stored in, in, in different systems within the organization, especially if we're talking about a large organization that might have gone through multiple acquisitions. And this is leading to incomplete or inaccurate analyses down, down, down the line, right? And let alone of the fact that it's difficult to retrieve all that data and pulling it into one system. So Combining data manually is not only time-consuming, but also prone to, to error and, and other inefficiencies. So companies need to start thinking about how they can, you know, um, get all of, data, all of that data pulled into one system, no matter where this data might be sitting across the organization. Another issue is the, the quality of the data. And, and having incorrect data can be just as or even more harmful than not having any data at all. And in fact, nothing, in, in my opinion, could be more harmful to data analysis than inaccurate data. Because if the data, or if the idea, is to use data science and machine learning practices, for example, um, then you, you should not be doing that with, with low quality data. Because without a good input, the output will be absolutely unreliable and in your your investment your effort will be a, a, a dead one if i may call it in, in such a dramatic way final problem that companies are facing is the lack um, of talent when it comes to data skills and and this is a trend that we are seeing that we at ifs are seeing across manufacturing as a whole so that the industry is suffering from a lack of talent in the area of data analysis science and AI, it's really, really difficult to find these people. And if we do not have these types of skills within the organization, then it's really difficult to also progress on our digital transformation journeys and you know, make, the, make the most of our data. In other words, even if the manufacturing organization does have consistent data, the execution of making the data actionable is a rather large challenge. So, Organizations need to have a think about how to get these skills into the pipeline and, and aligning all of that with a data strategy um, that they're building, um, not, not, you know, not just for today, but also for, yeah, for the future. Can you talk to me about the impact digital transformation has had on data? Of course. So digital transformation has, has led to literally an explosion of data and, and you know if you think about the fact that every interaction in the digital world creates data um, that, that is sort of a, a blessing but also a curse at, at the same time and um, the reason why I say that it's, it's a curse as much as it is a blessing is, um, is, is, is down to the fact that um, companies need, um, need to develop the ability to manage this data to their advantage, and they need to have a proper data strategy in place. And that is not a given, believe it or not. And it's not just about making better decisions with data, but data in itself has also become some sort of, I like to call it some sort of currency. Um, in, in, in a certain respect, we are now even in an 
era where we talk about the ownership of data giving you a lot of power as an, as an organization because you might be in a position where you can sell this data to another organization that can then repurpose it or build another product or revenue stream based on this data. And in the food and beverage industry, for example, especially with, um, I guess, with the pandemic, a lot of sales have shifted to mobile apps, online ordering and delivery. And that means that a lot of other players know more about your customers, potentially more than you. So you have to um, sort of you know, manage data in a way that um, you, you sort of establish where the, the lines of ownership are and at the same time find ways of monetizing the data because I already talked about the fact that it's it's the new currency and in certain ways it has become potentially more important than than the product itself. Okay. So I'm curious, how can you use data to your advantage as a food manufacturer? And perhaps more importantly, how do you prioritize what matters more? I think uh, the exciting part of the story when it comes to data in food and beverage um, particularly is that there's quite a few use cases. We won't have time to talk about all of them in this podcast episode today, but um, one of my favorite examples is demand forecasting. And um, that is something that at IFS we're actually doing quite a bit um, with, with respect to that. And why does data matter in the context of demand forecasting in food and beverage? Well, we all know that margins in, in the food industry are rather razor thin and consumer demands, they are changing very quickly. And right now, on top of everything else, we're dealing with a massive supply chain crisis. So in order to maximize the, the revenue of the organization, it's really crucial to get demand forecasting for production planning as accurate as possible. And, and at IFS, we are using an AI-assisted weather forecast that correlates weather patterns against previous demand patterns to essentially improve forecasting accuracy. So, you know, if, if I was a, a beer producer, you know, I want to, I might want to take that weather forecast, apply an AI algorithm and see what happened last time. The weather was nice. Did I sell more? Did I sell less? You know, and, and with that sort of knowledge, you can, as I say, um, improve your forecasting accuracy. In our case, we actually do um, see customers reporting an uh, in, in accuracy improvement of up to 78% compared to existing demand planning models. So that is a huge impact on the business because it helps you to improve your inventory levels and cut your waste and essentially maximize your revenue as, a, as, a, as an organization in this um, very competitive field. Um, but our solution actually also allows our customers to pull in other external seats. And uh, you know, just to sort of grab another example, this, this could be something like um, customer sentiment analysis, where you have an idea of what, you know, how customers might be talking about a certain product category. And, and you can sort of um, pull that information also in your demand planning um, uh, data models. And so the, these are the, some of the things we're piloting right now. But, but the point is that, you know, sort of making use um, as much as possible um, of external data 
that that is sort of the, the thing that um, food and beverage companies will be will be guided by in the future for sure. Another great use case, of course, is the supply chain management area. And here, data science helps um, to build transparency within supply chains and really enabling food and beverage companies to be more honest, or maybe I should not be saying more honest, but more accurate and more proactive with their customers. Because customers and, and you know customers such as retailers and distributors, but also consumers, they expect to know more about how the food is being produced and which, which kind of raw materials are being used and how the product is being stored, you know, what, what, what other um, ingredients or chemicals are being used and so on and so forth. So being able to collect and deliver and about almost be able to download this information to, to your customers and end consumers has become incredibly powerful. And, and this relates back to one of my earlier points where I said that data has become a currency of its own. And in today's consumers are buying into into that concept, right? And, and as I already said um, before, also it's, it, it could be even more valuable to them, you know, having access to this data than the product itself. I mean, just just imagine here how powerful data would be in the consumer's perception. And another use case, of course, is, is around quality and, and, and traceability um, and, and being able to anticipate things going wrong before that actually happens. And uh, we discussed that in another po podcast episode, I believe, so I won't go into greater detail here. Data is also frequently used for driving efficiency in food and beverage manufacturing processes. And uh, one of the key technologies here is IoT. And that, of course, is not a new buzz anymore. IoT has been around for a while. And the good news here is that with sensors, they have become way more affordable. So companies can invest in them, become a no-brainer, and they can easily use this IoT data to get information about the impact that, for example, temperature, humidity, nutrients in the soil, et cetera, et cetera, can have on, on crop production for, for instance. So they can sort of um, get a lot of um, insight based on just using these, um, these sensors and, and, and drive efficiencies around that. And another area that we won't have um, much time to talk about uh, maybe in this episode is, is the use of data for better understanding of customer as well as and consumer behavior, and I think there's a lot of opportunity to explore there, especially as food and beverage companies are trying to um, maybe not bypass necessarily their distribution channels, but um, more so build a stronger relationship with their end customers to understand how their demands are changing, how to anticipate these new demands, and, and just form a closer relationship with these um, with these end consumers going forward. So I think there's a lot that data can do there to, to help companies in this, um, in this area thrive, really. Do you have any recommendations uh, for how to engage with people that may not be as intimate with data, say R&D, plant managers, planners, and other stakeholders to get their buy-in? I think this one comes back to our good old change management concept. Um, you know, I'd like to say that data can help you confidently make and justify decisions for your business 
because it provides a holistic picture of your operations and it can help you predict performance with more accuracy and certainty. And of course, this will boost confidence in, in stakeholder decision-making, right? But this picture that I just painted, that makes a lot of sense for someone in the C-suite. But you also need to think about those people who are on your manufacturing shop floor. Why should, for example, an operator, for instance, trust the data that they're seeing on a, on a display when they have, you know, when they have years full of experience um, knowing when something is going wrong with a production line or machine because, because they sort of, you know, that they can trust, uh, that they're familiar with, it, with the sounds on, on the shop floor. So to influence stakeholders, you really must sell your vision and strategy as early as possible. And I really think that you need to make people part of the journey. You know, the, the, the journey starts early and, and you know, in, in these early stages, you need to involve your stakeholders. You need to ask them for the feedback along the way because their input will be so invaluable in making, in making your data management a success down the line. But I think most importantly, you need to make data also relevant to your stakeholders, right? So what's the point of convincing um, again, somebody on the shop floor to use the data if it's not relevant to their given role and, and, and purpose. So at IFS, we have what we call industry lobbies, and they can give any person within your manufacturing operations a view of data that relates as, as it relates to the specific role. So for instance, if I'm a planner, I can easily access the data points that matter to me today, and, and I can see all of the data all in one screen, so it's almost customized um, based on on my role and the data that I need in order to do my job every day. So it's also about the, the relevancy at the end of the day to make it stick with people and to sort of guarantee that user adoption down the line. Can you talk to me more about technologies that help organizations get the most of their data? And I'm curious, how can you unlock the value of data to make business decisions? I think, you know, when, when we look at manufacturers as a whole, we still see a lot of archaic um, technology in place. It's not that companies have the luxury to sort of rip and replace shop floor technologies. Um, that, that sort of is, is, a, is an evolution in itself. But um, I think there is an argument to be made to to to, to invest in, in modern and agile technology wherever it makes sense and, and and certainly to invest in a in in a technology for instance uh, a modern ERP solution that actually can help you bring all of your data in, into one place and be able to manage it end to end and also there's something to be said about the volume of data if you have enough of data then it could make sense for you to start applying AI algorithms and uh, the, the great thing about AI is that it can help you make decisions that can provide a a plausible likelihood in achieving a specific goal. So, so the beauty, so the beauty of um, of AI is that it really helps to improve your decision making, but it also needs to be at the same time it needs to be explainable. So that you know, coming back to the to the end user piece, that uh, a user of 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 that data that is now um, assisted with AI can actually believe it um, rather than being mis mistrustful of it. So I think 
um, the unlocking of data often comes into play by combining it with other new technologies and um, sort of really bringing that benefit out. But at the end of the day, you need to have that visualization piece, that, that the ability to present the data to, a, um, to an end user in a way that they can identify what matters most and um, how can they actually act on the data and prioritize um, yeah, those things that need addressing right away versus things that might, um, might be able to you know, be pushed onto the back burner. So it's all about visualization and prioritization in the first instance. Okay, Maggie, any recommendations on how a company can improve its data management? <laughs> well, Erin, all I will say is that it comes back to the concept of being on a journey. I know that sounds a little bit cheesy, but data needs continuous management and it grows, it grows as much as you as an organization are growing, right? You might be investing in new systems, you might be investing, you might be revising your data strategy, you know, your, your, your recruitment and skill strategy. So, but whatever you do, you need to find ways to democratize data and, and make it accessible to stakeholders within your organization and, and also put tools into place to contextualize data so it makes sense and adds the right value no matter the context or the person who is utilizing the data. And at the end of the day, we need to make it easy to share the, the information, the data across the organization as well. But I will also add, and I'm coming back to this talent piece, it's, it's key to add analytical skills to the hiring process. In addition, companies also need to invest in the constant training of the team because of new data technologies that organizations are purchasing. And, and this goes back to the idea of you know, growing as an organization. So yeah, it, it's sort of a dynamic process and we need to keep on you know, revising um, our strategy and, and keeping an eye on making sure that we're still getting the most out of our data and that it's not just sitting there in silos, um, which is, you know, as I highlighted, a uh, sort of a handicap that quite a few organizations still have uncertainty in manufacturing. Are there any other opportunities to use data that the food and beverage industry maybe hasn't thought of yet? <laughs> well, I personally think that we will see more innovation and channels of commerce opening up via the much disputed M word. And Erin, by that I mean yes, the metaverse. <laughs> okay, you might be saying, Maggie, you're absolutely crazy, but I mean, let's just, you know, let's, let's just Think about this for a moment. The metaverse is a shared virtual world that attempts to replicate reality, right, using things like virtual reality and augmented reality devices. Um, and, and in this digital world, people, they, they meet and, you know, they, they socialize, they, they go out, they pretend to be shopping and eating and playing. And okay, of course, we could be saying now that eating involves sen sensory experiences um, that cannot be recreated in the digital world. However, um, 
I think that um, food and beverage and brands, they will have a massive opportunity to promote these new experiences in the metaverse and create um, digital spaces to, to connect consumers there as well. So it's just a, a new platform for these consumers to get to, to trial new things. And um, I just recently read about this example of a, of a famous restaurant chain that um, basically opened a virtual presence in the metaverse and then was giving out promotional codes to the actual physical restaurant. I mean, just, just think about how clever that is because people are then sort of um, getting into touch with, with the brand in, in the metaverse. So I personally think that the metaverse is the new space or the platform where new trends will be created by enabling consumers to learn uh, actually real-world skills such as cooking and creating recipes and, and, and learning about um, new food trends and, and things like that. And all of this can and, and will contribute to, to product development. And, and that is um, sort of an opportunity that I think food and beverage companies need to be part of, that they need to tap into because I think, again, a lot of these of these new trends will actually happen as part of the metaverse evolution. And I think the potential is just mind-blowing. And that's, you know, that's all I will say about things that we haven't thought about. But, you know, often the metaverse is being dismissed in, a, in an industrial setting, but I think it actually has quite a, quite a big role to play in certainly in food and beverage. Those are my thoughts. Oh, I totally agree with you. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how food and the metaverse play together, how well they'll play together in the sandbox. So that's an exciting thing to look forward to. Uh, hopefully we'll see it in it our is. lifetimes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, Maggie, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, there's some things I still can't believe, you know, the Jetsons lied to us. So, um, you know, 2022. And I it's don't happening, have my, <laughs> it, it is, it is. You know, Back to the Future it and is. the Jetsons kind of lied to us on what would be available by now. But <laughs> um, Exactly. Yes. yes. But um, Maggie, I wanted to thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Food for Thought podcast. Of course, Erin, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. everyone listening to the Food for Thought podcast today, thank you for tuning in. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and just about everywhere you can listen to a podcast. Be sure to tune in next time as we talk more about the stories behind the headlines of the food and beverage industry. Take care. Have a great day.